always to start discussions of truth windwood radio five o'clock eastern standard five is seven Can get you a little bit tardy here today remotely again of course i am your host ian hamilton trottier and uh gonna do a little solo solo action here today um want to go over a couple things uh, a couple things with you um let me get this this lined up here um last week a slight snafu um let me just give a rundown if this is your first time listening to the program discuss your truths we're, we're, we're we are approaching we are approaching our second uh, second complete season here um second complete season coming up on the three-year mark uh of doing doing this program um a, we are a Miami-based weekly radio program. I am the host, Trottier and Trottier. We're independent, we're unfiltered, we're live and unbiased. Some of the previous guests to join this show. Yes, we've had quite a list of highly acclaimed guests. Paul Craig Roberts is one. He's a former Reagan economist, leading economist under the Reagan administration. Paul Hellyer is another. And he currently is outside of, outside of, uh, actually in, in the country itself, the physical country of Canada. He's the highest ranking uh, political person in, 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 in Canada. Uh, at one point during polls, career he he achieved the rank of uh, basically a, a deputy prime minister which would be uh, the, the 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 vice president if you will of of, of that country Cynthia McKinney is a six-time former congresswoman in the United States Nomi Prince former executive high level executive there at Goldman Sachs John Perkins New York Times bestseller if you're not familiar with John Perkins, John John wrote something about something about his time, wrote a book about his time in the, uh, being a contractor for the CIA, not directly with the CIA, employed with a company that was contracted with the CIA. And he, his duties are known basically as an economic hitman. If you're not familiar with that CIA-based agenda, familiarize yourself with the work of John. Stephen Kinzer, I believe he is a, a, an instructor at the Watson Institute, Brown University, is a former New York Times correspondent, based for Latin America, and David Icke. These are just a few of the heavy-hitting names, to my terms, to have joined this program. Why? Because not even, not even is it a... Well, it's not a United States per se issue. This is a global. This is a global issue, and what I speak of is, and I was actually speaking to someone. I have a history in the nutrition business. You can check out my website. I don't know if I talk about it there in my biography or not, but I do have uh, a number of years that I dedicated to the nutrition business, and I think that my time in that field 
gave me a understanding and the realization of the importance of doing one's due diligence. Um, now, there's typically always two sides of a coin, but if you look at science, science, science basically aims to get to fact and explain fact. What is fact? Okay. Uh, fact is the earth spins on an axis. Okay. How does that define? How is that proven? And this person that I had met with um, was, was quite aware of some of the people that have joined this program. And probably the most um, the most impressive name that that person was familiar with is one Anthony Sutton. Okay, now Charlotte Eisebit is a former guest on this program, and she joined us. Uh, she she joined us quite a while ago, uh, and and in fact. Um, She's, she's a strong advocate of, of, of what we do here on a weekly basis, Windward Radio. But Charlotte had an interesting connection with Dr. Sutton. So broadening the spectrum here, um, Anthony Sutton was a instructor at the Hoover Institute. Okay. And... Um, Diving into who funded the J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover is the individual, yes, the head of the FBI, who that institution is named for. And to better understand that institution and its goals and its motives one would then need to go down the road. This might be some homework for anyone interested in, 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 in continuing an investigation of various topics that we discuss here on Discussing the Truth. By the way, getting segued here, last week, and I have to apologize, if you tuned in, you didn't hear my voice likely. Uh, and that is reason because... As we continue our efforts of remote broadcast, some will be in studio, some will be remote. And at the moment, uh, we are working on um, getting the remote um, program active, independently active. Uh, and that has nothing to do with listener. That has everything to do with production and uh, versatility of program broadcast. Okay, and and of course, end result always is aimed at giving you what is necessary and important. So always, and end result always to deliver listener correct and precise information and or at least food for thought Chris Paranto 
joined program last week. I believe from his home in Nebraska. Chris is a former very high-ranking individual in the military and was tabbed to be a member, a leading member of the team that went in to attempt to save J. Christopher Stevens. I think I pronounced that correctly. Or at least got the uh, arrangement of names. Chris Stevens is a former ambassador uh, in Libya and was killed in the Benghazi attack. Yes, it's been a number of years. But so has the creation of the Federal Reserve. What is the Federal Reserve? Why, why, why do I spend so much time talking about that? Because in so many different layers and levels, the question is, is it a threat to your way of life? Okay, now, now, I, now I kind of funnel down into... America or Western-based democratic values. Okay, so those listening in any... I'm going to funnel it down to English-speaking country. Now, that's not entirely the case, of course, because you've got some very democratic values being practiced in Brazil, arguably Costa Rica. Okay, now you've got Portuguese, you've got Spanish, the two of them. Right, but what is particularly of value here are the 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 the, the laws set forth uh, through the U.S. Constitution that are based off of really, in my opinion, and that's never a good thing, but really, in my opinion, based off of. Meh, Protestant-ish values that came from England and Britain. And those England is the country, Britain uh, being, uh, being, being, being part of the kingdom there. Um, and then you have the United Kingdom. But 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 really the the in 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 one view of history uh, uh the, the protestant values and even through martin luther in germany that kind of led to the dissolution of the holy roman empire uh okay so chris paranto and always correct me if I'm wrong. Shoot me an email if you've got, if you've got, if you find errors in what I deliver. Always, always, always correct me. Send me, send me in your correction. Please do send your sources so that I understand where I'm wrong or where I need to adjust, and that I can cross-reference with your source or sources. So, Chris Peranto. Um, uh, I, I, I do apologize as uh, that 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes of time with Chris, uh, his voice was recorded, but mine was not. So the questions were left empty, if you will, 
via via broadcaster in 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 in, in Miami. Okay, uh, but I think we're 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 good to go here for the day today. I think everything is is on par, um, and, uh, and 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 we're set. So anyway, so let me get into um, next week. And by the way, JP. JP Lindstroth joined us next the last week, um, and he's been very versatile with us. And with the hurricane in Florida, he, he has to be excused, um, and, uh, and and we'll be bringing JP probably be bringing JP back on in his regularly slated slot, and that is the first Wednesday of the month, and so that'll be in a couple weeks there in October. Okay, um, next week, this is a very interesting uh, conversation that's being had um, in regards to a dilemma between, um, between a Native American group and um, and a European settled uh, uh, established group yes the United States federal government and Elaine William excuse me Elaine Willman will be joining the program next week she's an author of a book going to pieces the dismantling of the United States of America that was published in 2005. Okay. So again, it's it's the question of... Um, well, right. You know, the Federal Reserve established, was it 1913, right? Woodrow Wilson. Why do we talk about that so many years ago? Almost, well, over 200, or excuse me, over 100. The book reports on first-person visits and experiences of tribal members and citizens residing on or near 17 Indian reservations during her extensive road trip across the country from Washington State to New York State. And as most of us know in the United States and even Canada and Mexico, most of us knows wherever you, wherever you are, pardon me, In North America, anyway, and even in the Americas, let's say, um, the languages that are predominantly spoken here, and I've just mentioned the three of them, English, Spanish, and Portuguese, those all originate from Europe. Okay, not, They're non-American by origin. Because European settlers brought those languages with them as they established their governments. And each and every one of those three governments are very different. Let's not forget about the French. Trottier is French in origin. Quebec, 1640. Okay, so the natives here in the Americas had their own languages, had their own governance, had their own religions, and many, many of those were wiped out. So, Elaine's book, Going to Pieces, continues to be a bestseller. 
some 11 years later. That's now where we are looking at 14 years later, 2019. And it's now available in a second edition, exclusive of an index, inclusive of an index in bookstores and in all major book websites. Subsequent to her two-year attendance at Ventura College of Law, Miss Wilman received a master's degree in public administration from Cal State University in 1991 has obtained 96 credits towards her doctoral work in public policy. Having lived in western states for over 30 years and within two Indian reservations more than 20 years, Miss Wilman has extensive knowledge about federal Indian policy, land use status with the Indian reservations, dual jurisdiction, and constitutional conflicts that impact the rights and lives of tribal members as well as other American citizens. Okay, Miss Wilman's mother and grandmother were in world Cherokee members. Her spouse is of Shoshone ancestry and is a direct descendant of Saskatchewan. She served as national chair of Citizens Equal Rights Alliance from 2001-2007 and remains an active Sarah board member. Ms. Wilman has blended her local land use and strategic planning expertise with federal Indian policy to inform and engage counties, towns, and citizens that are co-located within or near federally recognized Indian reservations. From 08 to 15, Ms. Wilman served the village of Hobart, Wisconsin as their Director of Community Development and Tribal Affairs. Hobart Incorporated in 19... 19- 08, after the Oneida, Oneida Tribe of Indians Reservation was fully allotted, is entirely co-located within the historical boundaries of this former reservation. In July 2015 was Miss Wilman, and that would be KlamathBasinCrisis.org K-L-A-M-A-T-H-B-A-S-I-N-C-R-I-S-I-S dot O-R-G Ms. Wilman moved to the Flathead Indian Reservation to assess, assist western Montana landowners to defend against a federal tribal state. That's a federal slash tribal slash state taking of water rights from landowners. Transfer a public hydropower dam to become a private tribal government asset. And loss of all control of water access or rate setting deeply imperiling the entire food production in the agriculture-dependent region. March of 2016, Ms. Wilman published a reference manual for community leaders and elected officials now available in stores and online as well. The reference manual is entitled Slumbering Thunder, a Primer for Confronting the Spread of Federal Indian Policy and Tribalism Overwhelming America. Okay, wow, so... She's got some interesting things to say. And if you haven't noticed, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in California, whether you're in Colorado, whether you are in New York, casinos are a big business. Now, unless you're in a state like Nevada, and there's others but not many, In fact, I can't name them, so let's just name go with Nevada. Unless you're in Nevada, gambling 
is illegal in your state. So if you are in Florida, the only place you can gamble, and I believe that's New York and also California, unless you can gamble, or excuse me, if you are able to gamble, it is on, it is not on federal land. It is on tribal land. That is otherwise known as reservation, otherwise known as the U.S. federal government allotting land to the tribe that used to control the masses of land around their now smaller, concise reservation. Okay, So, for instance... In Broward County, I believe it's Broward, I'm just north of Miami-Dade, there is the Hard Rock Casino. Hard Rock restaurants are global, originating in London. There's Hard Rocks in L.A. There's there's Hard Rocks in, in Las Vegas. There's a Hard Rock Casino, same brand, just like the brand of the Dolphin Stadium. It's now Hard Rock Stadium. Uh... In Broward County. It's a Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. Well, that hotel and casino does not sit on federal land. The local tribe, Seminole-based tribe, has, of course, made a business arrangement with Hard Rock Hotels and Casinos. Or Hard Rock Hotels. And they have brought that brand whether through franchise or partnership, I don't know. But it is an acting hotel and casino. So anyone, it is open to the American public. But of course, as you step foot into that casino and onto that land, you are adhering to the laws of the reservation. And the reservation is saying, hey, you can gamble on our land. But as you get into things like water rights... Because if there's a mountain next to that reservation, and the mountain is a federal controlled land, meaning Uncle Sam is controlling that mountain, as the water runs down that mountain and into the stream that runs through the reservation, where's the distinguishment? So it becomes reservation-controlled Water once it crosses that boundary. But before that, it is controlled by Uncle Sam. And as it runs down through the reservation, and it crosses then on the other side of the reservation, the other boundary from north to south, then it now returns back to Uncle Sam. However, there are some disputes within this argument that Miss Wilman addresses that perhaps the water is now becoming part of the reservation as it now exits the reservation. And so if there's a farming community to the south of the boundary of that reservation, that tribal community is now wanting suggesting, because we haven't had the conversation yet, proposing, in other words, that that reservation is saying, hey, 
The water's running into our reservation. We're declaring ownership of it. Now we want to sell it to the farmers that are farming on your federal land. We'll sell it back to you. So then, do you dam the reservation? So on that south border of the reservation, you create a dam. You then let all the water run in to your reservation from Uncle Sam's Mountain. And then you create a dam. And then you resell it to the farmers. Okay, I don't know that that is actually happening. I'm suggesting that that's the argument that's going on here. Because I do know that there is also an argument of the, the Native Americans that are, again, uh, uh, they're, they're becoming very wealthy off of these casinos as Americans patron their casinos. <clears throat> there is an argument here that, in many cases, as you know, money talks. And so there's the argument is, hey, that that that... that that water in the mountains, that used to be, for instance, Seminole controlled before the white man settled it. Okay, So there's different angles. There's different arguments to the angle. There are different angles to the argument happening here. And we're going to get the... We're going to get the uh, the scoop here from, from, from this woman next week. Okay. And I know there's been issues regarding oil in, in, in other areas of, 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 of the United States. So, joining us next week, Elaine uh, Willman. Uh, always working on new developments at Discussions of Truth. Uh, you can catch uh, Tom Hartman. He joined the program Three weeks ago, Tom Hartman uh, is a New York Times best-selling author, um, and we will be uh, rescheduling Chris Paranto to, to, to rejoin us here. Uh, he's a very busy man, but we will reschedule him because, again, I apologize that uh, my mic uh, was not recording. Dr. Jacqueline and Font Guzman is also being uh, rescheduled. She's slated for September 25th. So we'll be joined by Dr. Font Guzman uh, a week after uh, Elaine here, so in two weeks. Um, Tom Hastings, co-coordinator in conflict resolution, undergraduate major and minor degree programs at uh, Portland State will be re- rejoining us. And and if you, jo- if, 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 if you caught the episode with, with, with 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 what was going to be Dr. Young H. E. Um, working on rescheduling him, and as well Kevin Ship. Uh, Kevin Ship has agreed to to join the program, uh, and he's a uh, he's a former CIA agent um, and whistleblower of uh, of the CIA. All of my past episodes. You can find at anchor.fm. You can find on my website, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. And, uh, and of course, 
right here with you Wednesdays, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard, Winwood Radio. I'm going to take a short break, and I'll come right back at you with uh, with an interesting talk to, topic to consider. This is Ian Trottier for Winwood Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Seek and destroy because we aim to seek out corruption. That's regardless of the level that's in uh, corporations, uh, whatever it may be, in politics. We seek it out to, yes, destroy it. And why Metallica? Because Metallica hits hard, and that's what we do right here. So, so let me let me let me bring you a, an interesting topic of discussion. And again, I'm all about. Um, I'm all about uh, understanding and trying to trying to dissect and get back into history, see what worked, see what didn't work. We're we're very lucky in the United States, all right. We're, we're very 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 lucky. The same individual I alluded to that I had a conversation with uh, this week uh, he runs a very successful business, and uh, and and I and, and I what I what I do caught his eye. Um, and let me let me repeat, you know, Ray McGovern, who used to hand write uh, memos and briefings to, to Bush Sr. Um, while he was in office, joined the program and said, Ian, 
what you're doing is the last frontier. It's the last hope for media. And I, I never set out to get involved in, in media per se. It was never my goal. Um, but there is a incredible need for, um, for, 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 for finding the truth in information. What is, what is fed to you in the mainstream is garbage. Why? Because it's meant to brainwash you. It's meant to distract you, to deter you. You know, it's like, it's like the Zika virus. Okay, you know, one day it's this huge issue in Miami. And the next thing you know, up, oh, up. Eh, yeah, it's quarantine. It's done. It's and it's you know we got the mosquitoes. <laughs> really? That sounds like hogwash to me. Oh, you know what? Because it is hogwash, and that's why I ask you to visit my website, go down that trail, discover what I discovered, so that you can discover more, and inform your friends and family, and take matters into your own hands own hands and that is exactly what Americans need to be doing today no more lies my book you can find it right now electronic copies cheap 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 like five bucks you can and it's a quick read it's like a hundred pages okay it's been out for over a year and publishing agreement on its way yes I have a publisher that that will be publishing this book I'm not sure if I ever announced that on there I think that might be uh, new information. But anyway, Honey Colony. Honey Colony is where you can find, and that is a website, Miriam Hennon, been a guest on this program a couple times. That is where you can find information on the really drastic uh, and dire need to help save our declining honeybee population. Honeybees are incredibly important to cotton, to dairy to so many different aspects of agriculture. If the honeybee population were to die off, and again, we, we have species and of insects, of animals that, that are becoming extinct. Yes, indeed. Honeybees are not exempt from that. In fact, human beings are not. Well, well, well wow. What a, what a concept, Ian. What a, what a concept. Really? Wow. Human beings extinct? Yes, the world did exist before human beings occupied it. Yes, this planet was here before human beings walked on it. Oh, wow. What a concept. Wait, I thought... What? Doesn't the universe evolve, revolve around us? No. No. Don't be, don't be so silly. Don't be so silly, Ian. No. You, that's, that's absurd. That's absurd. Right? Man created all of this, didn't, 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 didn't we? We created the moon, stars. Okay, I'm getting carried away. Honey colony, anyway, yes, ducks in the importance of honeybees uh, for for the existence of, 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 of mankind. Okay. There you can actually find the article that I wrote regarding my findings on the Zika virus. Of course, that led me to Anthony Sutton. And it led down another road um, of, uh, of the roundtable, uh, right? The roundtable at Oxford University. Fired up. That would be uh, that would be Rhodes. Okay, um, let me let me hone in here and and, and get get to. You, you, do not think 
do not think that the United States is exempt to itself becoming extinct because at one one point in time, as the world does spin on that axis, at one point in time, this country will no longer exist. It won't. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're all kind of hoping that, 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 that we do exist coincidingly with this beautiful and wonderful country that, that our ancestors or your ancestors or forefathers have created for us. Okay, we, we hope that, uh, you know, we hope that the country survives our lifetime. Okay, and then you're hoping if you have children that it survives your lifetime. And that's the same for Canada. And I'm uh, hoping it's you're thinking the same for, for, for Mexico. And if you're Cuban, let's say hopefully one day you're thinking that, oh, you know, we can we can return to our homeland, our home island, and, and have a nice, prosperous uh, government there. So I want to briefly say, and, and we're, you know, money makes the world go round. Well, in so many ways, unfortunately, it does. Okay, you look at these wealthy Indian tribes um, that are now becoming wealthy, and so they're kind of giving these local federal municipalities a little run for their money. Um, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad in, in, in every, every civilization, every community, in every household. You know, the kid's going to act up. The kid's not going to, you know, going to refuse to clean his room. Okay, but there is, there, to, to some degree, you got to say, hey, there's order. I'm not saying that laws are not written to be changed, because certainly laws should, you know, if, if, if it's, if, if, if it makes sense, it should be changed. But there are, there's a certain order that does work, and there's, there's a point where you want to assimilate to it. Now, let's just take, for instance, an opinion of, hey, the Federal Reserve. There's order in the Federal Reserve, but that doesn't mean that that can't and shouldn't be adjusted. Okay, well, why is it that it's completely private? It's not federal, right? So if it's private, then why does it have the federal name attached to it? Okay, so it's, you know, things like that. But um, the Roman Empire, currency and the collapse of the Roman Empire. Now, this is a website that I've gone to prior. Visualcapitalism.com There you can find uh, some pretty pretty good information on what it was that led to the collapse of the Roman Empire. Now, we can well, we kind of alluded to the Protestant movement and you know Martin Luther in Germany and then spread over the way King or King Henry VIII was it that that um, you know, Rome had an issue with uh, him having multiple wives and so he created if I, again if I got my history wrong please let me know but he created the, the Church of England right that basically came from uh, from him being expelled uh, from the Roman Church based on his desire to marry multiple women if I got this wrong again correct me. And, um, and, and, and of course, um, you know, it started prior to that, many years prior to that, anyway, with, with Constantine. Um, and Constantine basically uh, uh, separating a different movies. But, but, but freedom of religion is basically, I think, what came in fruition um, by, you know, one of the cornerstones of the founding of the United States. 
freedom of religion. Let's go to freedom of press. And we can also um, go... Uh, 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 we'll stop. Freedom of speech, but we'll stop there. We'll say, but isolate freedom of religion, isolate freedom of press. These were things that in the Roman Empire, which was, which was massive, that similar to, because I have experience and I've lived in this country, Mexico, you didn't have a choice. And if you were native to the land, you, you were killed. You were slaughtered. You were destroyed. If you were not willing to assimilate, you were not, giving a, res- you were not given a reservation to live on, like in the United States. Uh, in Mexico, there are no reservations. You were forced to assimilate. Um, and fortunately, some of these ancient cities have survived. Chichen Itza, uh, uh, um, there's there's other. Let's just stay with the Chichen Itza. But it, 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 some of these, but many were destroyed. Many were destroyed. Many of the ancestry logs, journals, um, religious beliefs they were they were destroyed, completely wiped out. Um, in the United States, again. Yes, some of those things were destroyed, but there was at least a reservation granted these people so they could they could continue um, kind of living their their culture. Now, the, the culture did live on. These various native cultures do did and do and and, and continue to live uh, like the Mayan. That's a, that's a language that is uh, that is very commonly spoken in the Yucatan Peninsula there in Mexico, but. But but in but in Rome, and for instance, the the the, the conquistadores in in Mexico, uh, right? They were they didn't you didn't you weren't given a choice. It was Catholicism or nothing. Okay, you you weren't given a choice until I think it was the uh, the nineteen nineteen twenties is when that constitution was was rewritten, and you know early stages of that happened a hundred years before that with uh, Jose Ortiz and Guadalupe Victoria. And again, this is in Mexico. Where there was this kind of liberation from, um, from from the European crown, right, which was stemmed right back into Rome. Um, at its peak, the Roman Empire, and I'm hoping this is making sense to you, but at, at its peak, the Roman Empire held up to 130 million people over a span of 1.5 million square miles, completely encompassing the Mediterranean Sea. Um, of course, way up into Europe, um, and this is. 117 AD. Rome had conquered much of the known world. I'm just kind of going through this website so you have an idea of when I'm going to get out here. And I hope you're following because I, I kind of preluded in with the Federal Reserve. The Empire built 50,000 miles of roads as well as many aqueducts, amphitheaters, and other works that are still in use to this day. Yes, Rome is continues to be, and this is one of my other arguments, Rome continues to be a, 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 a massive city, okay, with a massive influence on the global civility, on global civility and global economy. The Catholic Church continues to this day to be and to have. I mean, look at Dan Brown, right? Look at look at the books he's written. Uh Da Vinci Code, right? I mean, the, the Roman Empire continues to be a massive, and we take that for granted in the United States, don't we? John F. Kennedy was the first Catholic president, but he got his head blown off. Why? Right? Why? Was it Lee Harvey Oswald? Why? Or was it something much deeper than that? Okay. 
Now, Abe Lincoln, I don't believe was Catholic. Certainly he wasn't, because JFK was the first and only Catholic president, in my knowledge. Uh, Abe Lincoln got his head blown off, too, in Forbes Theater. But there's a difference here. They both had one thing in common, and that was trying to get foreign powers' fingers out of the U.S. economic system. Okay, they both they both did the same thing. They both had the same agenda in that regards. Okay, so the fact that JFK was Catholic may, had nothing to do with may have had nothing to do with the reason why he was assassinated. Okay, trade was vital to Rome and continues to be vital to Rome, but but not as it used to be. Okay, uh, uh, grain, textiles, marble, metals, timber, olive oil, wine. Those were all. Very important aspects to to, to, to to trade in Rome. I tend to argue that certainly the United States has become the massive. Of course, the United States, as far as manufacturing, has pawned all of that off to the Chinese. Okay, for the most part. I mean, you know, Ford, Chevrolet, these these companies are basically gone underground. Gone, you know, I mean the, the the Japanese have taken control of much of they you know because they're making good automobiles they're making good automobiles and again a lot a lot of what I'm saying here on this episode is opinion correct me I, I, uh, I I'm giving uh, uh, no pun intended I'm giving layman's terms here on on, uh, on many of these opinions uh, but but yeah the Japanese made good cars starting back in the from what I know back in the early 70s. Start making good cars that were dependable. Whereas Americans, like Germans, were making stuff that you always had to take into the shop. Okay? That model, business model, right? Like greedy, if you will, uh, backfired. Okay? So anyway, um, let me kind of get to the chase because we're, we're winding down. We're getting close here on time. Um, Roman... The Roman economy, initially, initially the um, the Roman uh, coin um, was valuable. It had value. I mean, if you look at a U.S. dollar bill, Federal Reserve note, that's what it is. It's a note. It's a receipt. Uh, it's an IOU. There's no value in a dollar bill. There's a quarter. A quarter doesn't have any metallic value to it. Very, very little. It doesn't have any. It, it doesn't value twenty five cents per se, right? So, the United States economy is completely has become completely devalued, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Right? I mean, the Federal Reserve says, "Hey, we don't have any gold," and the U.S. government says, "We don't have any gold." Who's got the gold? Queen of England. Roman debasement. Okay, this is the parallel, and this is kind of the crux of my kind of point here today for, for this episode here. A major silver coin used during the first 220 years of the empire in Rome was the denarius. And again, my source here is visualcapitalism.com slash currency dash and dash the dash collapse dash of dash the dash Roman dash empire. Visual, visual uh, capitalism.com. 
This coin, between the size of a modern nickel and dime, was worth approximately a day's wage for a skilled laborer or craftsman. During the first days of the Rome of the Empire, these coins were of high purity, holding about 4.5 grams of pure silver. However, with the finite supply of silver and gold entering the empire, Roman spending was limited by the amount of denarii that could be minted. This made financing the pet projects of emperors challenging. How is the newest war, Thermate Palace, or Circus, to be paid for? Roman officials found a way to work around this by decreasing the purity of their coinage. Does this sound familiar? How does this empire continue to fight that war in Afghanistan? Roman officials found a way to work around this. By decreasing the purity of the coinage, they were able to make more silver coins with the same face value. With more coins in circulation, the government could spend more. Hmm. Yes, it sounds... sounds, It does sound familiar. And so, the contents of silver dropped over the years. Subprime mortgage mess. What caused that? By the time of Marcus Aurelius, the denarius was only about 75% silver. Caracalla tried a different method of debasement. He introduced the double denarius, which was worth two times the denarius in face value. However, it had only the weight of 1.5 denarii. By the time of Gallienus, the coins had barely 5% silver. Each coin was a bronze core with a thin coating of silver. The shine quickly wore off to reveal the poor quality underneath. The consequence? The real effects of debasement took time to materialize. Adding more coins of poor quality and circulation did not help increase prosperity. It just transferred wealth away from the people, and it meant that more coins were needed to pay for goods and services. At times, there was a runaway inflation in the empire. Runaway inflation. I mean, the average wage of American worker has increased... In 40 years, not by much, not by much. But wait, in in the 60s, you could buy a gallon of gas for for a few cents. You try to find one now, you can buy a gallon of gas across this country for under three dollars. Yet the wages, right? At times, there was a runaway inflation in the empire. For example, soldiers demanded far higher wages as the quality of coins diminished. Nobody should have any money but I, so that I may bestow it upon the soldiers, said Caracalla, who raised soldiers' pay by 50% near 210 A.D. By 265 A.D., when there was only 0.5% silver left in the denarius, prices skyrocketed 1,000% across the Roman Empire, only barbarian Mercenaries were to be paid in gold. The effects with roaring, with soaring logistical and adamant costs and no precious metals left to plunder from enemies, the Romans levied more and more taxes against the people to sustain the empire. Hmm, interesting. Taxes. These taxes seem to increase all the time, don't they? Hyperinflation, soaring taxes, and worthless money created a trifecta that dissolved much of Rome's trade. The economy paralyzed by the end of the 3rd century, any trade that was left was mostly local, using inefficient barter methods instead of any meaningful medium of exchange to collapse. 
during the Christ of the third century, and I'm talking about the Roman Empire, not the per se Holy Roman Empire, which officially dissolved in the early 1800s. In Germany, I think, was the last kind of stand for that. During the crisis of the third century, but both are linked, there may have been more than 50 emperors. Most of these were murdered, assassinated, or killed in battle. The empire was in free for all, and it split into three separate states. Constant civil wars meant the empire's borders were vulnerable, trade networks were disintegrated, and such activities became too dangerous. Barbarian invasions came in from every direction. Plague was rampant, and so the Western Roman Empire would cease to exist before 76 AD. This is a product of something called the Money Project, which aims to use intuitive visualizations to explore ideas around the very concept of money itself founded in 2015 by a group of Texas Precious Metals. That is the Money Project. Again, on visualcapitalism.com, it's a brief, very brief, skimming the coat, top coat of a parallel to what happened in Rome, to what is happening right now in your United States of America. This has been a Discussing the Truth. I am your host here every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. You've tuned in to Winwood Radio. And next week, Elaine Wellman. Until then, be awesome. Yeah.